So if you would open your Bibles tonight to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, we'll be reading there in a moment. Uh, there's a picture. There it is. Um, so this right here is the th- what's called the three percenter logo. Um, and if you don't know what a three percenter is, I'll tell you. And if you do know, then just listen anyways. <laughs> a three percenter, so there's a statistic that says that it only takes three percent of a population to rise up and stand against a tyrannical government, or any government, I guess, for that matter, in order to overthrow it. 3%. That doesn't seem like very much. So this logo here, based off of that statistic, is one that you perhaps have seen um, before. Maybe you didn't know what it was. Maybe you've seen it here and there. Um, around here, it's most commonly seen as a sticker in a window of a lifted pickup truck uh, with many other stickers about guns and other things. But the idea is that if you claim to be a three percenter, you are claiming to be someone who will stand up against a tyrannical government if the time ever comes. Now, if the government is listening, this sermon is not about standing up to a tyrannical government, so... You can settle down. That's just an example. Um, Anyway, that was a bad joke. So that, I just tell you this to back up my illustration, so to make sure it makes sense to you. It was 2019. uh, I was in Colleen, Texas with my family for Harvesters. It's conference now, but it was Harvesters then. Uh, we had stopped at the local HEB to grab a couple of things. And as I was walking through the HEB, I was walking behind this man. And this was a big dude. And I'm talking like, what do you think of when you think of a big dude? Yes, it's that. Uh, probably 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and just as wide. Big dude. <laughs> he, was, he was tall, but he was, he was very, very for lack of better terms, overweight. Now, this isn't my sermon, but I wasn't thinking much about this at all as I'm walking through the store. I'm just walking behind this dude. I don't walk around grocery stores judging people by their weight. Don't get me wrong. But what caught my eye is as I'm walking behind him, he turns his head, and I don't know what he was looking at, but on his face, on his cheek right here, he had this logo tattooed on his face. A three percenter logo. Church, believe me when I say this man was in no way physically ready for war. This man was in no way physically ready to stand up to a tyrannical government. At best, he would be a big distracting target so his friends could get away. He had tattooed on his face a symbol that was his declaration to the world that everybody could see that he was a three percenter. He was ready to stand up if the time should come, but the rest of his body said that he was not ready to stand up if the time should come. In fact, he probably wasn't going to get off the couch in time. But church, the reality I want to bring to you is that if we are 
spiritually like this man? If we are spiritually unprepared, we can say we're the three percenters of the spiritual world, but if we're spiritually unprepared like this man was, when the time comes for action, when the time comes to rise up, we will be caught off guard, we will be spiritually out of shape, and unable to do what God has called us to do. We have to be ready out of season so that when season comes, we are prepared. 2 Timothy 4, 1-2 through two tonight says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is, judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. God, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would help us this evening, Father, that you would deliver the message, God, that you have by the power of your Spirit, God, that it wouldn't be my, by my intellect or my cunning words, God, but by your Spirit. Father, touch the people in this place, God. Go into their hearts where I cannot go and minister to your church this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first I want to talk about the issue of being spiritually lazy and unprepared. Proverbs 21.25 says, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. You see, just as this man in the HEB claimed he was ready for something, his hands weren't laboring in the meantime, in this down season, if you will, of standing against tyranny. And when we want to be ready, but the ways of our sluggard spirit overcomes us and our hands refuse to labor, we basically put it our feeding our flesh rather than our spirit. And if we allow our flesh to dictate our activity, it will ultimately lead to our own demise. In our daily lives, are we spending more time on our phones, our tablets, our video games than we are in the Word? I think for probably 99 people out of 100, the answer is yes. We all spend a lot of time, if you clump those things together, we all spend a lot of time on our phones, right? They're useful devices, but they're also a cruel slave driver. Do we struggle getting out of bed to pray in the morning? Can we make it to church? Can we make it to outreach? Or are the ways of our sluggard ways ruling us, as this proverb says? You see, just like the real world, if we refuse to work, and we refuse to reply anywhere at real effort, we will come up short, right? If we don't work, we don't eat, right? That's, the, that's well, it's getting to be different these days, but that's the philosophy, right? If we don't work, we don't eat. And if we have the same mentality spiritually, that we decide to feed our flesh rather than our soul, then we will find ourselves spiritually out of shape. 
And sometimes we can appear to be hard workers, but be spiritual lazy. This is one that oftentimes goes overlooked in today's world. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. You see, when we think of living in the flesh as churchgoers, we think of some very basic things, you know, drinking, doing drugs, pornography, even just laziness or gluttony or all of the obvious stuff, anger issues, you name it, right? You could come up with a list of things that the basic person would consider to be living in the flesh. But sometimes the people we overlook, the people we don't notice, the most spiritually lazy people are some of the hardest workers you know. They might not ever touch alcohol. They might not even have a porn issue. They might not have an anger issue. They might be a very well-rounded person. But they're setting their minds on things according to the flesh. They're working their fingers to the bone for their earthly success while neglecting their spirits. You think of the hardworking man who works endless hours providing for his family. Not only neglecting his own spirit, but the spirit of his family. Or the honor roll college student. Many people will praise the 4.0 student. And that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you. You guys do good in school. But are these things overruling our spiritual needs? Sometimes we can even be serving in the church faithfully and neglecting our spiritual needs. Even the pastor of a church is not exempt from this thing. Trust me, guys, I have to make sure I focus on myself just as much as I focus on church. You see, all of these people are people who the world views as successful, the world views as a hard worker and a diligent worker, but spiritually they are sluggards. Spiritually they are allowing the desires of the world to choke out the things of the Spirit. You know, another thing to think about is this man that I saw at the HEB with the three percenter tattoo, Maybe when he got that tattoo, maybe he was buff. Maybe he was spiritually or physically fit. Maybe he was ready for war. And as time went on, he began to, even though it was tattooed on his face, kind of forget about the things that mattered to him, forget about the goals and the, the convictions that he had saying, yeah, you know what, I'm a three percenter. That government better not try to mess with my freedoms, you know, whatever, whatever God I'm going, you know. Maybe when he got the tattoo, he was as cut as the rock. I don't know. And he lost focus of the things that were important to him. And about 300 pounds later, he was a big dude with a tattoo on his face that he didn't even believe in anymore. For us spiritually, if we're not careful, this can become us. Especially as we grow older in the faith as we begin to serve more in church, serve more in other ministries, as we outreach more, as we volunteer more, whatever it is that God convicts us to do, eventually even those things can become things that cause us to starve our spirits. 
Proverbs 21.16 says, The one who wanders away, I'm sorry, that wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. If we're not careful, church, this can be us. We can be so focused on other things, whether it be our own ministry, whether it be our careers, whether it be our education, whether it be our relationships, or even just downright sin. You know, the, the run-of-the-mill stuff. You could, you could run the list down. I don't have to do it for you. Eventually, these things, if we're not careful, will come for our time. They will come for our devotion. And as diligent churchgoers, the easiest thing can be ministry itself. You think about that. There, you hear stories of, of ministers who backslide. And it's like, what? Like, how does that happen? You know, it doesn't make, sitting in a pew, it doesn't make sense. But standing behind the pulpit, you can see, I can see from experience, if you don't maintain your own spirit, above everything else, then you have nothing to pour into anything else. All of these things, you know, working hard at work, working hard in school, serving in church, serving in ministries, volunteering in things, all of this stuff is good things. But we must pour first into the cup of our own devotion and then pour from that into our other things. Otherwise, we begin to pour ourselves until we're empty. Hebrews six eleven through 12 says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnest, earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We have to be earnest in our faith, and we have to main, make that our priority. Our faith in Christ is our top priority until our last breath. We can't afford to become sluggish, but we have to look at the people who have done it for a long time. Look at the people who have been serving God for a long time. There's a lot of leaders in our fellowship that are easy to look at and go, they've been doing this for a long time. Right? Whatever they're doing, I need to take some notes. And we see examples in scriptures, of course. Abraham, the father of our faith, as the Bible calls him, and many other characters throughout Genesis to Revelation. You see people who served God diligently from beginning to end, and they had their blunders, don't get me wrong, we all do. But what's the one thing they all have in common? God was number one. God's calling on their life was the top priority. And their relationship with God within that calling was what they put their effort into. They succeeded in continually building their faith. And we must do the same so that we don't become sluggish and out of shape when the harvest of God's kingdom is in, is in season. And if you've been a churchgoer for any amount of time, you know how that is. There's times where you constantly have new people coming through the door. Outreaches are popping. The events are popping. Everything's going good. And then you have seasons where it's like, man, we can't even get the regulars to show up. Or we can hardly get ourselves to show up. 
church, I would be lying to you if I said there wasn't a Sunday where as a pastor, sometimes I don't feel like showing up. That's what you would call the out of season. That's what you would call the off season. You think about an athlete. They have an on season and they have an off season. And when you look at the athletes that are at the top of the game, the ones who are the best of the best, all-stars year after year, always in the MVP talk, they will tell you there actually really is no off-season. There's the season, and then there's preparing for next season. They're always working. They're always putting in the effort. So for us, when we are out of season, we're really more so trying to build ourselves up for the season. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the, grounds, the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw and considered it, I looked and received instruction. There's just some good advice in that. You ever see when things aren't going right for somebody else? You can learn from other people's mistakes. That's not part of my sermon but take note of that. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So in the beginning portion of this text, we see a man described who is not preparing his vineyard for the coming season of harvest. It describes his field as overgrown with thorns. If you've ever grown a vineyard, I personally haven't, but I'm pretty sure you don't want thorns. I'm not much of a green thumb, but I know that much. Weeds in a, in a garden are a bad thing. The ground was covered with nettles, which, according to my extensive research, is just more weeds. <laughs> Wasn't that extensive. That was a joke. And the stone wall was broken down. This wall is designed to keep outside creatures from coming in to eat the harvest. So as you can see, this, this man's field is in no position to bring forth any good fruit, right? We see a man who did not put in the work in his field to have it ready for anything of any benefit. And in our lives, as things are moving slow, when it seems like God isn't doing much, things aren't moving around us, it's very easy for us to say, okay, I'm just going to take a little break, take a little breather, sit back. You know, I, you know, I can let up on the, on the devotion in my Bible time. I can let up on the prayer a little bit. You know, it seems like God's taking a break, so I'm going to also. But when we do this, when the harvest season comes, guess what? We have thorns. We have weeds. Our walls are broken down. We aren't tending to our spiritual walk. We will get overgrown with thorns. And Jesus makes an example of thorns in Matthew thirteen twenty-two when explaining the parable of the sower. He says, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You see, church, if we aren't continually tending to our spiritual needs during our off-seasons, 
then the worries of the world will come and try to choke that out. I can tell you from personal experience, the less I'm devoted to Christ, the more the issues of the world affect me. The more the bills and the job income and the family relations and the personal relations and all of those things become a much, much greater burden in my life. The less I'm involved, listen, we're 24-7, we're involved in something, right? Our minds are always going. If we're not involved in Christ, we're involved in something else. And that's what these thorns are, the worries of the world, the concerns of our lives. I don't have to sit here and tell you what your concerns are. You're already thinking about it. Whatever that may be, the, the less we are in Christ, the more we are allowing these thorns to choke out our spirit. Are we allowing the worries of the world to take root in our vineyard, our soul, in our lives? Because ultimately these worries, these thorns in our lives, the only purpose and the only desire for them is to choke out what God has done for us and make us unprepared for when God's harvest season is upon us. And I'm not saying, you know, neglect your family, neglect your bills, neglect these things. But these are all things, concerns, and issues that we have to filter through the lens of a healthy spirit. And some of these things are necessary you know work bills kids family friends school if you're in school work whatever it is all of these things are things we do have to worry about we do have to take care of we do have to maintain but if we're not careful they can become thorns that choke us out and then there's other thorns that really have no place in our lives especially affecting our spirit there's a lot of things that the world will want you to care about greatly you know, things like celebrity gossip. What are the Kardashians up to lately? Sports, and don't get me wrong, I love sports. Movies and shows and hobbies and what have you. Some of those things are far more acceptable than others, if you will. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's okay to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. But, you know, football games, movies, shows, all of these things, they have their good side and they have their, their evil side. They have their side where they're going to become a thorn in your life, where they're going to choke out what God is trying to do. And ultimately, none of these things are things that should be rooted in our hearts. Things that we do, perhaps, but none of them should be things that we are cultivating in our hearts. Otherwise, they will become weeds. They will become thorns that can choke out the cares uh, choke out the word of God in our hearts. For me personally, it was sports. I allowed that to become something that I was cultivating rather than just kind of doing on the side. I got to the point in my, uh, <clears throat> when I was uh, in my early 20s, I'll say, where I liked football so much that if, yeah, you know, if the Sunday morning game was good enough, I'd skip church. Let me tell you, that's when it goes from something that you just kind of watch and enjoy to something that you're cultivating. That is a thorn that's choking out what God has for you. And then this text says, A man's stone wall surrounding his vineyard is broken down. 
So whatever fruit does manage to grow through the, for- through the thorns is quickly eaten and destroyed by animals who come to eat his fruit. So in our lives, as we see miracles and we do things that grow our faith, as we outreach and people are getting saved, there will always be wild animals who want to come in and ruin our fruit. There will be relationships and people who, it seems as soon as God does something good, all of a sudden they're calling you. All of a sudden they're showing up at your front door. All of a sudden they're blowing up your phone with text messages. Let me tell you, church, it's not a coincidence. As much as you might love them, it's not a coincidence. I have people I love very dearly that when certain things come up, I know where it's coming from. Church, this is the wall around our vineyard, the wall around our heart. And I'm not saying put up walls and be closed off to people. But when God is doing something, when God is working in your lives and those seemingly consistent situations arise, this is when we have that wall, when we can say, you know what, I know the purpose of this. I know the purpose of this phone call. I know why you're at my front door. I know why you're sending me this text message. And it ain't going to work. What God is doing in my life, you can't have it. You can't destroy it. You can't ruin it. And this comes from cultivating our relationship with Christ, even when it seems like God isn't bringing fruit. Because when the fruit does come, if our walls are down, they're going to come for the fruit. We can't allow these people to influence our faith. Church, there's a reality that we have to come to that if we are being influenced by worldly people, that's a relationship we don't need. We should be the influencers. We should be the ones that are influencing the relationships we have. And this comes from continually putting our relationship with Christ first, cultivating our our relationship and putting up these healthy walls to keep the wild animals out, not the people who care about you. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't you know, quote me later on and say, Pastor said build up walls in your life. It's, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. As we go on as a church, as our church grows, or as you see things happen in life, if, if you aren't cultivating, or I'm sorry, plowing, as this scripture says, you got to plow a field before you can grow a field, right? I'm not a farmer, but that's basic, you know, farming. Farming 101, you got to plow the field before you plant the seeds. If we aren't cultivating our relationship with Christ, if we aren't building ourselves up, when the fruit comes, when the things happen, when the season begins, we're going to see people around us bringing in the harvest, and we're going to be like, hey, where's ours? Like, what? I feel like I'm missing out here. Well, it's because you might be. When we aren't seeing the fruit, when it seems like God is taking time off, and He doesn't, But when it feels that way, that is when we should be putting in maybe more work than ever. 
Because otherwise, when he does call us to the harvest field, when he says, hey, the, the field is ripe for the picking, it's time to get to work, we are physically, or sorry, spiritually in shape. We aren't spiritual sluggards. We aren't 350-pound souls with John 3.16 tattooed on our, on our cheek. We're ready. The season is here, and this is what we've prepared for. This is what we've built up for. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. See, now here we see uh, the writer of this proverb giving the example of an ant. You guys ever seen an ant or an ant hill? They're always doing something. You ever see an ant chilling? Me neither. If an ant isn't moving, it's because I just squished it. Otherwise, they're always moving. They're always doing something. They're always working. And they don't have anybody following behind them saying, you better go pick up that crumb and bring it back to the ant hill, or you better do this or do that. The ants just work diligently. And guess what? I've never seen an ant starve to death either. So just as an ant is always working, we actually really truly never have an off-season. If we desire to be bringing forth fruit in our lives and in God's kingdom, there is a, f a season of harvest and then there's a season of preparing for harvest. But if we aren't preparing for harvest in what we might call the off-season or what we might call the downtime, then we will find that we've slept through the harvest altogether. You see, where I work, uh, we supply a lot of parts and pieces and stuff like that to a lot of vineyards um, and other food processing places. Uh, and about mid-August until mid-October is harvest. And tell you what, if you ever want to see a bunch of people that look like chickens with their head cut off, just go to a vineyard sometime in, during that time of the year. These people work so hard during this two-month span. This is where they make all their money. This is where they win their bread, is in this short two-month span. And I tell you what, I'm glad I don't work in a vineyard during those two months. And there's, there's people who come in. And, you know, to get some supplies. And they're like, yeah, I've been up for like three days straight. And their eyes are all black. And they're like, look like zombies. And it's brutal. The harvest, this is what they work all year for is to get to this point. They're preparing for this point. And guess what? If they're not ready, if they don't have the equipment they need, if they don't have the workforce they need, if they don't have the motivation they need, they ain't getting it done. Because you know what happens? You either harvest all the fruit or winter comes and the fruit that's left gets ruined and destroyed. You see, harvest 
as good as it sounds when you speak of it in a spiritual context, is a daunting task and it requires a lot of work and a lot of preparation. And for us as individuals and as a church, when the season of harvest is upon us, it can appear to be difficult. It can appear to be a lot of work, but we can't back down. We can't afford to back down. When it comes to, as a church, things like extra outreaches for individuals attending the Bible studies, following up on people that you've been witnessing to, serving in ministry if God calls you to it, breakthrough in our personal growth, devoting extra time to reading scriptures, to prayer, to fasting. But when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, when it comes time for the harvest, the devil's going to tell you, you know what? That fruit's not that worth it anyways. Galatians 6, 9 tells us just the opposite. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Church, we can't grow weary. We can't give up. We can't grow weary of pursuing a closer relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, I can stand behind the pulpit and read you all these scriptures. I can encourage you. I can, uh, I can try to uplift you all I want. But I cannot make you pursue Jesus Christ. I cannot make you cultivate your relationship with Christ. That is an individual effort. We can't grow weary of evangelizing and witnessing. As Christians, the Bible tells us that telling people about the love of Jesus Christ is part of the gig. It's part of the life of a walk of a Christian, is that we should be witnessing and evangelizing and sharing the gospel wherever we go. We can't grow weary of seeking God's will for our lives. Giving up in a, in a season where we say, okay, you know what, God's will is getting difficult, it's time to take that opportunity that this person's been trying to give me for so long and I knew it wasn't what God wanted for me, but hey, it's going to pay the bills. We can't grow weary of building God's church together as the body of Christ. Listen, if you guys think building this church is, is my gig, it ain't. It requires a body. It requires people. And it starts small. Our fellowship starts small. Almost all of our churches start in a living room somewhere. And it does start with just a pastor and his wife. But tell you what, if it continues that way, if it, it doesn't grow and stay that way. Faithful people, willing people, ready to step up to the call of God, to build God's church, to build His work. It requires people. But for us, in our lives and in our church, if we grow weary, if we allow ourselves to get lazy at the time of harvest, we will miss out on the growth. We will miss out on the fruit that God has for us in our lives. We will miss out on the blessing. I, I, I don't lose... I would probably lose sleep over it if I thought more about the blessings that I might have missed out on in the lazy seasons of my life. I spent a good chunk of my late teens and early 20s being the absolute definition of lazy. Like you could look up lazy in the dictionary and it had my picture there. 
And if I spent a lot of time dwelling on that, it would probably bother me more than it does. But thankfully, our God makes up for lost time. Our God is faithful to use us where we are now in our moment. But church, going forward, we can't look back. We have to look forward and think we have to be ready. When that time of harvest comes, we have to be ready. And the truth is, if we aren't ready, then who is? If we aren't stepping in, then who is? Matthew 9, 37 through 38 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Listen, Jesus isn't saying, hey, God's got a vineyard and he wants you to go pick some grapes. He's talking about souls. He's talking about people. He's talking about lost souls who are destined for hell. And he's saying, listen, you have to get out there. You have to get in the field. God desires to use us. God desires to use us to touch people. And we have to have the thought process. We have to have the mentality of, if not us, then who? If we don't do it, nobody will. We have to think that way. And then on top of it, we have to kind of contradict ourselves and say, but God, send more people. God, bring us help. Usually, God brings us help by us going out there and telling people that there's something going on. We have to be ready in season or out of season to preach the word to lost souls. We have to be ready always to be witnessing. Because just as I said before, you can look at a calendar and you can point out the harvest season for a vineyard. You can point out a harvest season for many other fruits and vegetables. I don't know what they are because I work at a desk. But they're there. People tell you, oh, you harvest this fruit in this month. You harvest that vegetable in this month. But the harvest season in God's kingdom has no calendar. You're either harvesting or you ain't, and you don't know when it's going to start. You don't know when it's going to end. But you must be ready for when it starts. You must be ready for when the time comes. We can't find ourselves being spiritually out of shape and spiritually 350 pounds when God says, hey, harvest field is ready, and we're struggling to get off the couch. The reality is there is no off-season. Just as I gave the example before of an elite athlete, you're either in season or you're preparing for the season. You're either in harvest or you're preparing for harvest. And it's only when we allow our flesh to interfere with what God has for us and our preparation for what God will have for us that we find ourselves overrun by thorns and our walls torn down and harvest season comes and we're missing out. Harvest is coming. Harvest is always coming. It's always right around the corner. We don't know when. Could be now. But are we preparing for it now? Are we ready for it now? 
Are we doing what God is calling us to do to cultivate our relationship with God, to be spiritually fit, for a lack of better terms? To be spiritually in shape and ready for the work, because harvest is work. The Bible, nowhere in it does it ever say, hey, just chill, rest and relax, stuff your faces and, you know, get... (laughs) Get fat and just chill and God will do the rest. In fact, if we've read anything tonight that says anything, it's to the contrary, right? We have to be diligent like the ant. We have to be preparing ourselves for the harvest. And when the harvest comes, we have to be ready and willing for the task. As our proverb said, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I did that this afternoon. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Before you know it, the need, the things you are lacking in will just hit you like that. Are we resting when we should be preparing? Are we, will we be resting when the harvest begins? There is much fruit to be gathered for us as individuals, as a church, whatever, however you want to look at it. God doesn't just say, hey, work, and he dangles the harvest in front of you and then snatches it away. God has growth. He has promise. He has fruit. He has a season of harvest for each and every one of us and for us as a church. It's coming. Will we be ready for it? Can I have every head bowed and every eyes closed?